Alrighty, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute. It's the daily podcast in which we analyze Donna Justice by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate. And I'm Sam Otten. You can find me on Twitter at OttenSam. And I'm the host and co-writer for the Justice League Universe podcast. Alrighty. Glad to have you back. Welcome back. I'm very happy to be here. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, so it's probably very obvious, but for those who don't know, uh, what's your relationship like with Dawn of Justice? I love the movie. Uh, it has gradually grown through the ranks of my favorite movies of all time, and if people listen to the Justice League Universe podcast, you know that we covered it scene by scene. You guys are going minute by minute. We broke it down scene by scene and mm-hmm. made it through the whole movie, and by the time I was about halfway through that, uh, I realized that I just really, really loved the movie, and it is now my second favorite movie of all time, any genre. Uh, the only one that beats it is The Big Lebowski, which is a very different kind of movie, but I also love that one a lot. But um, yeah, and I didn't love BVS immediately, but I could tell there was a lot going on, and I immediately wanted to dig into it, which I enjoy doing. And then once I started peeling back the layers, talking to people about it, bringing together interpretations and drawing threads through... And I realized like how much it rewarded all of that energy and like attention to the movie. Then that's when I came to just you know rank it right up at the very top of my favorites of any movie. When you saw the Big Lebowski, did you like it immediately? <laughs> the Big Lebowski, uh, it, I laughed at it a lot immediately, and I was intrigued by the characters immediately. But for me, I love rewatching movies, and when I rewatch them, and then I just get more appreciation. Those are the ones that like become my favorites. I agree. I think I've yeah, seen totally. Big Lebowski like maybe ten times. Yeah, you're a Big Lebowski yeah. fan, aren't you? <laughs> well, it's it, it is one of those movies you can just turn on and watch, and and I guess not get bored of. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know if I could say that about every Coen Brothers film, but that one for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're not talking about that film. Uh, we're talking about Donna Justice. Yeah. So let's get into it. <laughs> uh, today on minute number thirty six, it's going to start with uh, Wallace Keefe. Uh, preparing to do something mischievous. And then the minute's going to end with Jenny Jerwich uh, witnessing what Wallace's hate crime is on the news. Correction, the minute ends with Jenny Jerwich being a total babe. Okay. <laughs> I won't disagree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we are reintroduced to that character. In fact, we're going to be reintroduced to the Daily Planet in general. This is going to be the first minute of the Daily Planet in this film. So, that's right, that's right. All these characters that we saw in Man of Steel, we're getting reacquainted with them. Isn't that great? That's great. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm about it. Yeah. I'm excited. Are you excited? I, Dude, there's a... Uh, is it a spoiler to say? We're going to get a lot of Perry White this week. Yeah, all right. And so, get prepared for that. Um, but before we get into all that, we got to talk about what uh, good old Wallace is doing over there. Good old Wallace. Keith. I don't know about good. It's not, yeah. it's not really doing <laughs> Disgruntled anything. Disgruntled old Wallace Keith. Grumpy Wallace. There you go. Grumpy Wally. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he he. Ta- he's, we see him starting to take off his jacket. He's getting ready to uh, take a leap of faith <laughs> as he leaves his wheelchair and uh, grabs onto the fingers of the massive Superman statue in Heroes Park. Um, and I like how this cop just kind of looks at him and is like, sir, get off. Like, kind of like uh, as if he, he has to do this every day where he's like, oh, it's just another, <laughs> it's another crazy homeless man trying yeah. to climb the statue. You know what I really like looking at? Uh, bad wire work. You get him climbing up this hand. Like, Do you see it? Oh, you didn't? 
No. But like, I'm not picking on it. It's just like, I really like seeing wire work, like de- de- defining wire work. Crouching Tiger, obviously. Like, that's just great. I love that. Mm-hmm. You can tell. Let, let him climb up. Do it. He's climbing up. Uh, here we go. Right here. Sure. You, don't, you can't tell? No. Really? I'm, I'm... It's like his upper half is just not moving at all, like with the rest of his body weight. Maybe it's just that good upper body strength. Yeah. No. He is. I'm kind of with Nathan on this one. So, like, so I love this movie, but, yeah, my first thing that I'll probably contribute here is a little critique because – Pretty much every time I watch this movie, when he is like supposed to be holding his full weight with his hands, mm-hmm. to me, to me, the body just does not seem to reflect that. He doesn't seem to actually be ho- hoisting his entire body weight. Yeah. Like it, it seems like something is still supporting him from below. And every time I watch it, this little moment to yeah, just doesn't quite work. Which is it's kind of weird because like through ninety nine point five percent of this movie, anything physical to me is very believable. Like the hits, yeah. the falls, all of this kind of physicality is very realistic, except for this little like second and a half. Yeah. Which is um interesting because it's like it's not anything tasking really. Like it's not it's, like that actor couldn't do something like that. Like I mean, could it's just bouldering? You just grab it. And I pull mean, that's stuff. what I'm saying. Like Scoot, couldn't he just like? Yeah, you couldn't. You do know, that he has green screen legs anyway. It's not like they needed to. All right, you can't move your legs. What do you mean? Like, maybe that's it. Maybe he's standing on his on. Maybe he's standing. Oh, he's like on a box. Yeah, <laughs> and it's he's like, on a sofa. He's on a bunch of milk crates. But it's like, why do that? Why not just actually try to climb it? I don't know. Maybe we should be actors and just I, do our I own noticed, stunts, Mark. I did notice that. Um, so normally when people are going to like leave their wheelchair, they'll like park it and they'll like put the brakes on it so it won't move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But here it looks like they specifically leave it unlocked so that you can see the wheelchair wheel out of frame. Like wouldn't that mm-hmm. him lunging out of the wheelchair like isn't when he missed the hand? Like, you know, when you like. Yeah. Well, like it would like give out under to, him. Yeah, exactly. Fall. And you wouldn't quite make it. That's why I think that they purposely had it uh, wheel out of frame. Like it like yeah, spins why? out. So that you can see that he's no longer in the wheelchair. I don't know, like a visual thing. <laughs> like you want to see it and you want to, you want the audience to know that he's now climbing on top of something. Um, which, sure. <laughs> uh, the point is that he, he's starting to climb this Superman statue, which I don't know if there's any like allegories. I didn't really try to reach for anything, but if it's out there... Well, if it's out there, Sam knows it. I was going to say, you you brought the right person in because I always like thinking about that stuff. Sometimes I may be stretching. Sometimes I think it's definitely purposeful. But, I mean, with the statue overall, I know this is true because the filmmakers have talked about this, that they wanted the statue to have Superman with one hand down to Earth and then one hand up towards the sky because he literally is like the bridge between mankind and the, the gods and the heavens. Yeah. And so this now, if we take that and just extend it, Superman is lowering a hand towards mankind, which is kind of an act of like it makes him vulnerable to mankind. And so in one sense, it's like an offer of like, hey, I have a hand here to help you and like guide you to the future or to like a higher calling. But on the other sense, Superman is kind of like humbling himself to mankind. And that means there can be people like Wallace who actually are going to like use that extended hand for negativity or to like attack Superman and like exploit it. Yeah, yeah, literally, like, oh, you, this great godly being, have lowered your hand to us, mankind. I'm actually going to climb up it and deface you, you know. And, and that's just the risk of, like, you know, opening yourself up to humanity. You're going to get the good with the bad. And I think that actually does match with, like, the spirit of the movie overall. Prometheus and fire. Mm-hmm. Kind of the same thing. Kind of. I mean, that's what I have got out of it. 
at least like you know you gave fire to man there's a lot of vulnerable. parallels to I'm prometheus sure. in this film so that's not definitely the first one. yeah definitely not the first definitely not the last mm-hmm. um so yeah he's uh he's asked by the 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 police officers to uh get down from the statue they've asked him multiple times now uh and he responds with uh pretty much just aggression as he um he throws a the ca- uh the lid of a spray paint can um he starts shaking it up and then he draws this really heavy and dense red line like straight across the camera frame what's the difference between a lid and a cap so yeah that's why when i said lid, struggle? I was, you were gonna <laughs> yeah. say cap i said lid and i was like mm. is a lid when it's like it has when it's an open container and you like seal it is that like considered if a lid? it's synonymous yeah, I guess you're right. All right. Anyway, um, <laughs> that spray paint line mm-hmm. is beautiful looking. Yeah, you said uh, mm-hmm. you've said many times now uh, in this show that this certain color red is predominant. I love red. For yeah, a this it, I, mm-hmm. and I think it is. Um, side note: How many takes do you think they had to do of just that one spray paint oh, to I get think it that perfect? Was it. You think that was it? Like, have you ever done? When's wait. the last time you did spray paint, man? Like, they don't come out that perfect. Is this the only statue? Like, did Wallace, or I'm sorry, did... Well, it doesn't have to necessarily be actual spray paint. It could just be, like, red dye, and you'd wash it off. So, like, think of, it's gonna think of like how perfect there. that thing is. I think that was it. Maybe that wasn't even Scoot. Maybe that was, like... Banksy. No, but I was going to say, like, <laughs> maybe... They hired Banksy to do it. Just the one line. Maybe they didn't even spray it on the statue. Maybe that... That's what I'm saying. It could just be, like, That piece of tile a, is just, yeah. like something that they, they had in front of a camera of them yeah it was just like a slate because it yeah. could look really flat looking if you're just staring at that frame could just be a, a piece of the same material and they're like it all is. right sprayed across i don't know but i think the statue in the warner brothers exhibit is the statue and it does have the false god on it i think don't quote me on it it's got the mm-hmm. paint on it it has the false god written on it uh, i like that um which the color red i mean like you can uh you can parallel that to uh, making a god bleed or something because this is a statue mm-hmm. of what they believe is a god and then you see this really dark red um not too dark but it's like it is very much like a a blood red kind of color but um, mark mark if that was true then there would have to be a scene later in the movie where they talked explicitly about superman bleeding there would be <laughs> if if only if, if, only. G- if, if geniuses were making this movie then that sort of thing would happen but i don't know yeah. God forbid that happens. Cow forbid. Cow forbid. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, um, I like though that it is just the one line because, like, uh, you know, it just makes us think. Like, I wonder what he is going to be spraying on there, and then, like, you know, 20 seconds later, we see what he's actually written. But it's like for a moment, there's just that little intrigue of like, ooh, he's definitely spray painting something on there. What's it going to be? Yeah, and I I think it's also important to kind of leave it a little bit abstract because it's like. Um, it's just the act, really. It's the act? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's him um, defacing this statue of a god with red. It like sh- It's like him cutting a god, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's on his chest. Yeah, it's, and um, it's, uh, I th- feel like it's that... It's over his heart, too. Yeah, I mean, it's over the, the crest, so it starts over here. On, it starts on the left side. On the cow's left side of his chest yeah. and it goes across, so... Um, and it's an act... With, 
Oh, it's an ahead. act of violence against Superman himself, but it's also a rejection of like society that has erected this statue for him, right? So he's like he's tr- he's basically trying to send a message to two groups, like Superman, and then also to all the people, saying like you're all fools for like making this statue and like worshiping him and just thinking mm-hmm. that he's this great hero. Yeah, that's what I actually have written down. I was gonna say like, is this the first like big public shaming of Superman? Uh, like I, this is the first. I have the one. answer to that, but the answer is for minute number thirty-seven. Oh, so tomorrow. I think, <laughs> put a pin in it. Well, yeah, and there was, you know, the after the African incident, there was the testimony at the Senate. So that I'm assuming was like you know publicized, where there were now at least some individuals saying like, who does this guy answer to? Like this was terrible. Mm-hmm. So that was, I think, the first cracks in the shell. And then this is now a very blatant one. Like, wow, he's really, you know, a handicapped person is making this effort to try to send this new message. So he takes it, Wallace takes it to another level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that was um, what I had said earlier uh, in this minute was that, like, this cop who just kind of treats it as, like, an everyday thing where it's like, all right, this guy looks kind of homeless and everything. It's like, but this Wallace Keefe, like, we know this guy by now. And we know that this isn't just some homeless man who's, like, trying mm-hmm. to vandalize government uh, or public property it's a man with nothing left to kind of live for and it's some kind of it's just some defeated person in life who's just so angry at god um a false god well yeah in his opinion mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm, that's a bold statement i know Mark. right but it's like yeah it's not uh, yeah he looks kind of loony and whatnot but he, there's there's been a reason for it. He looks kind of loony. Yeah, I mean, he looks like just some homeless guy. It's like, all right, we got to get him off the streets and like put him away <laughs> and everything. But it's like, yeah, but look, you know, we don't the uh, the cops don't know what he's been through. True, you know, people don't know what he's been through. Uh, even Bruce Wayne doesn't really know what he's been through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but we take it at face value, and we don't have all the facts in order, and so we just treat him as some crazy guy, which is a shame. But we also do that with Superman in this film, so it goes hand in hand, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Lex and Wally uh, both, I think, uh, it's it's arguable that Lex and Wally are both, their real problem is with God, and then they're taking it out on Superman. That like That's at least one interpretation that I think holds up quite well. The other thing that's interesting with Wally here was that like earlier it looked like he might be making a bomb or an explosive of some type, and then it just turns out... so like. When you first see this, you think maybe he's going to try to, like, blow up the statue or do something more destructive, but then it just ends up being the paint. I Pause. We got to pause. We got to put a hold on that. And that's another thing in, I think, minute 37. Sam, you ever heard of kerosene candles? <laughs> yeah, I've heard of them, yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll... Talk talk to your co-host Alex about kerosene uh, candles. About minute number thirty-five. <laughs> okay, I haven't had a chance to hear that that one yet, so that'll be interesting. Yeah. You just shoot him a text. Yeah, yeah hey, man. <laughs> what are you blabbering on about candles? <laughs> yeah, we had we had the same conversation. Nate and I also we you know up until we talked to Alex about minute number thirty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, this entire time we've always been under the assumption that he was doing something. He was making bombs. Yeah. He was making something, some sort of explosive. Yeah. Well, yeah, the way I took it was that the audience 
isn't really supposed to know exactly what he's doing, but we get these like vague impressions. And so I think it's reasonable that an audience member would be like, wow, what was that? Was it an explosive? Like, we don't know for sure because they just show us little glimpses. But I think it's like, I think the filmmakers knew that that's one of the thoughts that would cross our mind. Like it had to have been like, it's, it's obvious. Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole point of this film is to misdirect you with like little information. Mm -hmm. That's like the, yeah. And to draw the audience into prejudging things, which is what they're kind of trying. They're trying to critique overall with this movie is they're critiquing prejudgment, rushing to judgment and not viewing things from somebody else's perspective. And this is like the long game out of this movie, isn't it? Like we're supposed to wait a while until someone's going to be like, Hey, you remember that Dawn of Justice movie? That thing's deep. And real good. <laughs> well, it's like when we did Man of Steel and it was all about global warming or yeah. climate change and, and stuff like that. Perfect like, time. look at Krypton and like, let's use that as an uh, uh, example. The example. Yeah. And then now <laughs> with this film, it's like another life lesson that we should be implementing into our lives. But, you know, here we are. But everybody mm-hmm. just wants a cool superhero fight movie in the summer. Yeah. Okay, when's yeah. Wonder Woman come in? Okay, when's Aquaman come in? Yeah. Like, yeah. how about, you know, maybe it's a little more than that. Maybe. Well, this is uh, why, and I'm glad you guys are doing this, you know, through Dawn of Justice minute by minute because it is so different talking to people who saw this movie once versus talking to people who've seen it at least twice. It's yeah. like a whole different conversation. And even for me, like the first time I saw it, I could not pick up everything at all. But I could kind oh. of tell, I could tell that there was a lot more going on. Um, but when you talk to somebody who've, who's only seen it once, they just they take away a few main things that are like hard to miss. And then they may be saying like, yeah, I was confused about that. I didn't really know what was going on with that. And so for me, this movie like demands at least watching it twice, if not more. I mean, but yeah. even people who didn't love it, I think should watch it twice. And then you can kind of, you know, judge it. Yeah. You said the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Now you said that you think that Luther and Wallace, Wallace are both, kind of taking out their anger on god on superman is batman not part of that do you think he's not getting he's trying to you know uh how would you say like target someone for his anger that's that stems from elsewhere i don't necessarily know if it's anger go ahead sam yeah i mean for me i can see where you're coming from but for me batman's or bruce wayne's issue is not so much with god it's more with himself and like Mm -hmm. he has to come to terms with the fact that he was not able to save his parents and he's Mm -hmm. the kind of person who like always puts it on himself to save the day like that's why he runs into rubble of buildings falling it's like what are you gonna do but like that's that's what he feels like i need to be there i need to run into that and help and he wants to be powerful and able to save people or save his parents and what he has to deal with, I think, is that he's not powerful. He's in a lot of ways, he's powerless to certain things. So for mm-hmm. me, like Bruce's is much more of an internal thing that he has to deal with. Lex and Wally, I think they're actually, it's more of an external, like a hatred of God out there. Yeah. And also, I think you can argue that, I mean, Batman has, because of his parents' death, he's like, doesn't believe in that. So it's like, why would he take his anger out of God if he, you know, doesn't believe in it? in the first place yeah i kind of put it more like on the side that bruce felt more threatened than anything mm-hmm. uh and and um and fearful not yeah. anger or like he has to protect the world yeah from superman exactly um whereas luther and wallace are just angry at that see i really want to dive into it and i don't i don't have my thoughts fully collected on this but uh sam you said that you know again wallace and, and luther are mad at god and then they go to blame Superman. And then I'm still stuck on thinking that, why, mainly Luthor, why 
uh, he is, um, what am I trying to, uh, why does he accept that there is a God and yet when he sees Superman, he's still believing, I don't know. In my (laughs) opinion, do you know what I'm trying to say? Are you saying that like, if in order to take your anger out of on God, but like through Superman, that would mean you'd have to acknowledge that Superman is God. Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of like the brick wall that I, that I see there. Cause then you take Luther and he's not a God fearing man. Or is he? He's maybe a God hating man. A God hating man would be one because he himself has disproved title of the episode. (laughs) Uh, He himself has disproved, in my opinion, he's disproved the existence of a God. And yet he sees this being flying in the skies and saving people acting like a God. And it's not, a man that's where the anger comes from i think what's what's beautiful about this film is that you know these are three humans that are dealing with this in negative ways you have batman luther and then wallace um and i think there's an argument saying that all three are dealing with it in a different way mm-hmm. and um maybe wallace is the one who's been hurt by the god um but maybe uh luther is the one who thinks that he should be like nothing should be more superior than he is yeah so there's that and then batman's the other way where he's like threatening or threatened threatened. or is the one who thinks he's in charge of defending people from god or Mm -hmm. something so they could each have their own different ways and i think that would make it a little more interesting otherwise why have three characters have the same out have have mindset same mindset it's i think it'd be a little Mm -hmm. interesting to see them each handling it in a different way they were each affected differently but they all kind of have the same goal basically yeah, where they absolutely. don't mm-hmm. accept superman as mm-hmm. their savior mm-hmm. so um cool you guys want to have anything else for the wallace bit or we're going to move on to the daily planet i think we can I go think, planet yeah let's go all to right the planet. let's go to the daily planet and this is going to start with jenny jerwich uh she's getting a phone call and then she patches it over to lois lane and it's from the crime lab mm. a crime lab um not the Crime lab, <laughs> not 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 who we're gonna see later on in the film. Oh, I, th- I thought you were going. I thought we were doing a bit. What is the crime lab? <laughs> yeah, I don't know <laughs> who's on first. Uh, I don't know. You got me. Okay, go for it, man. Oh, what we me? got so Clark Kent's on sports. <laughs> oh yeah, we got an alien writing about sports. What kind of world are we living in, guys? That's the life that he wants to live. <laughs> he would love to have a life where all he had to do was just write about sports. And, like, there was nothing else more alarming out there in the world. That's it. That's it. Um, but, yeah, we do see the return of Jenny Jerwich, who is not Jenny Olsen, who's not Jimmy Olsen, mm-hmm. and has no relation to that character, um, unfortunately. But, yeah, we do see her again, so it's nice to know that she is still working at the Daily Planet. And uh, so is Perry White still in control of the Daily Planet. But... No Steve Lombard in this one. In oh. fact, Steve Lombard was on. Mm-hmm. He did sports for the Daily Planet, and now it is Clark Kent over here. Um, Do you think Steve Lombard got fired for sexual harassment, <laughs> for trolling the intern pool? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. I think he probably just left. It's sports. It's because a, he couldn't troll it's the a intern pool. Department, isn't oh. it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I'm not a writer. Why write about sports when you can be on like a sports <laughs> channel talking about sports? Why well, write about sports when you can do it? Yeah, when you can do it. Okay, so now he's an athlete, apparently. Athlete. Athlete. Um, yeah. So we see Perry. He he comes up to Clark Kent. He calls out for him. 
and uh, tells him that he's on uh, sports and that he's going to be covering the football game that happened, I guess, last night because it's on the TVs and you can't really cover a sport that happened days ago because it's old news by then, right? You can cover future sports. You can write an article about future sports, but... Like future sports. Oh, like football in the year Like laser football. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which is weird because the headline that uh, Perry tells Clark is underdog dreams dash 10 yards between Gotham and glory, which seems a little respectful for Gotham city, because if we remember what the score was at the end of that game, it was 65, (laughs) nothing, uh, Metropolis state, (laughs) just 10 yards short. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Which I don't know if that's like, is that, uh, is that Perry trying to make the daily planet seem like good sportsmen and like sportsmanship? For like, you know, hey, we we just destroyed you in football, but we'll, we'll write a nice article about yeah, you. Yeah, of course. You think like Perry would be wearing like the Metropolis State shirt the very next day into the office and being like, yo, we crushed Gotham City last night or something. Like, let's write an article where we like, you know, sometimes cities are very like pro their team, but this one was done tastefully. Can you do that in, in journalism? Can you be... Biased? B- biased, yeah. You really want that question to be answered? <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. Specifically in the uh, in the sports section, are you can you be can you be biased? Yeah, the home hometown. I mean, for sports, there's usually a pretty clear hometown slant because it's sports. So can I go pick up the Orlando Sentinel and read an article on about the the Orlando Magic? No, on the Pride. The Magic. They don't write about the Magic. uh, Orlando City Soccer. Orlando City Soccer. And then they'll try to make something sound good. Are they? They're gonna just make it like. puff piece as they say yeah <laughs> really yeah i don't dude i don't i don't know i don't read the news i don't, I don't read the sports. news i don't read sports yeah. so i don't to, know it is like it's a little confusing at one level that he talks about the 10 yards short but then i think this line has to be viewed in conjunction with a later line where he, perry pitches another headline so here he pitches a headline for sports and then later he's going to pitch a headline for the love affair of the man in the skies maybe it's over so mm-hmm. It might be that he just like enjoys trying to whip up headlines, but people might take them with a grain of salt. Like the underdog headlines, like okay, thanks Perry, but that's not what the headline's going to be. They got blown out, you know. So maybe he's maybe he enjoys making headlines, but he's not that good at it. <laughs> I think he what he does is he says headlines that um, he thinks will sell, and that's yeah. it. And that's a question I have throughout this week as we hear more and more headlines come out of his mouth. Um, is it his actual feelings or is it just, Hey, that'll sell. It does so. seem like he's trying to hook a reader kind of, maybe it's, it he's yeah. Rather than like, it really represents the story. I mean, he's Perry white. Come on. He's head of the daily planet. Maybe they don't buy papers anymore. Maybe he went to Gotham city university. Maybe he's not. A metropolis <laughs> There's native. probably history about that somewhere. Yeah. And maybe he's like, okay, we're going to write good stuff about that football team because I went to that school. Or I'm from Gotham City. So you never know. There are people like that. All right. <laughs> people move, you know. They're not always in the same state for... How old are you, Nate? <laughs> <laughs> um, so... So Clark's uh, kind of Clark's kind of bummed about this assignment, I would say. Like again, you have to read Clark's body language because he doesn't talk a mile a minute. But mm-hmm. uh, I think he's a little bit bummed, but he's like willing to do it. But then uh, Perry like puts in the little dig about like you know you go into Gotham. He wants him to actually go to Gotham to like follow up on like maybe I don't know the some people's reactions to the game or whatever. 
but he says, don't let them take your lunch money. Like he's kind of teasing about the crime reputation of Gotham. Yeah. And, and Clark shakes his head in like almost like disgust kind of like, why is it? Why do you think he just, he's just like, oh, come on, come on, Perry. You didn't have to say that. Well, they, um, they say in this book that we've been kind of keeping by the side every time we do this show, um, is that Perry is a very father figure for both Lois and Clark. Um, in this whole daily planet life. Um, and quick, quick sidebar, Sam, do you think the relationship between Lois and Clark is public news? Do you think everyone knows that? Is that like set in stone? Oh, well, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Sam. Uh, I assumed like their close coworkers would know and stuff. Cause I think it's like not very professional to keep it hidden, but like they don't make it super obvious. Like when they're in the same room together, they just have little like glances at each other. So it's not really clear. But I don't know for sure, actually. They got a picture right there. Clark has a no, picture of that's him. a picture of his mother. Are you sure? I, that's what I thought. No. That's a, you can't have a picture of your coworker and you on your desk. Why not? What if you're dating? He, I don't, he could, but he could just look right over and see Lois. <laughs> what are you going to be like, hey, there's a picture of me and my girlfriend. All the, by the way, she's right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's I, his mother. All right. <laughs> I actually am not sure who it is, but... Um, but yeah, they say, uh, there's a whole section about Perry White in this book. And actually there's a big quote that they use that's not even in this film. Um, and they say, it says, it's a quote by Perry White. It says, print journalism, print journalism is on a respirator. Any day now, some blogger in pajamas will trip over the cord and pull the plug. So this kind of <laughs> gives you his kind of dark humor sense about mm-hmm. the daily planet and people who don't buy newspapers. So he is just trying to sell papers. He'll just he might- stick a, Yeah. Pretty desperate at this point. Yeah. 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 But they said here in the book that if there is a Greek chorus in Metropolis, it is definitely Perry White, um, who is the editor um, here at the Daily Planet. And uh, it says that Perry White is kind of us. He's the barometer when public opinion sways against Superman, says Deborah Snyder. And that, you know, with him being the father figure, he like, he picks on both Lois and Clark, but he, when he picks on Clark he kind of does it with a grain of salt on the wound cuz he knows he's superman cuz he knows he's superman yeah. <laughs> some other question i think he i think he knows oh for sure sam do you think he knows i don't know for sure but my my feeling is that he does yeah, i just don't intuition. i can't prove that but well i can't yeah. prove it either but hey, yeah. <laughs> you're you're listening to our show so you're going to get our opinion yeah <laughs> um so yeah i i definitely think there's a picture of Martha Kent and Clark Kent there on his desk. We also see some other <laughs> cool stuff towards the last 15 seconds of this minute. Um, on the TV screens. Yeah, but there's also an award that the Daily Planet got in 2014. Where do you see that? It's right above Clark Kent. When um, It's actually like minute number, or it's 40 seconds in when Perry turns a corner. You see a Metropolis Award for Publication Excellence to the Daily Planet in the year 2014 which I kind of mm. thought might have been based about the Black Zero event mm-hmm. um, because they probably covered that story because that was like December 2013, mm-hmm. so it probably fit in that time. Um, or maybe it was all the Superman stories that they were putting out after that. So, it was, so yeah, so that's mm-hmm. my answer. <laughs> that's cool. Um, yeah, I think that's right. We see, you know, after the whole don't let them take your lunch money thing, then we have Jenny Jerwich who kind of steers the 
the audience back into the story of the film um, as we see her watching the news and it shows in the very middle TV you see the Metropolis News 8 uh, the report about the Heroes Park hate crime in which Wallace Keefe has vandalized the statue um, you look like you have a question Nate you know I'm starting to think that Jenny's job at the Daily Planet is just to watch the news televisions mm-hmm. so she did she, she do she see it all over it's all over the news oh thanks Jenny yeah Hey, have you guys seen this? Uh, thanks, Jenny. Like, every hour, she's, like, on a different news channel. Did you mm-hmm. guys see this? Kitty gets saved out of a tree. Did you guys see this? Floods. Maybe she is. Well, I think that might be a job, actually. To just watch the news? And yeah, I think so. I, I, I think toured uh, the National Public Radio, like, news offices in Washington, D.C., and they did have an area that had, like, all the cable news up. And I think it's just because... The cable news does have an advantage for live events that are breaking. Like they can uh-huh. get a, ca- a camera there, and then everybody can watch through that camera what's happening. So, like, I think you probably would have people that are in a print medium that would keep an eye on those, and then they could prep a story for like the next day's paper. I want that job. Nate would excel at that job. <laughs> I yeah. Hey, did you guys see this? Did you guys? Yeah, hey, check this out. Did you guys see this? There's <laughs> a Beyblade tournament. Oh man. Uh yeah. Some other things that we see uh, in this little frame here, we're going to, towards the very end of this minute, um, you see a bunch of clocks up above. You see Los Angeles, Metropolis, and then London, which I guess Los Angeles exists in this universe, but New York does not, right? It's Metropolis. I know, but, you know, why isn't Los Angeles called, like... Star City? Yeah. Uh, Wait, Coast City? Mm -hmm. Coast City. That's the Green Lantern one? Yeah. See, yeah, why isn't it like that? Uh, maybe it's like, what did we, I think we said it earlier, way earlier on the week where it's like, there's a line between fan service and way too campy where it's like, if there was a thing where it's like coast city, metropolis, London, where it's like, okay, that's a cool thing that you're like throwing in the West coast of a, of a city that we know from comic books. But then it's like, uh, uh, it takes you out of that real world aspect that we're getting in this movie. You know what I mean? I do, but then at the same time, I you know it wouldn't be a stretch for me. No, it wouldn't. Just like in Man of Steel, when we should have had Snapper Carr as the the news reporter, yeah. or even in this one. But like again, it's like one of those things where it's like I think it's crossing that line of too. I don't know if campy is the right word. Don't use it if you're not going to actually do something with it. Exactly. Later on. Don't, yeah. Exactly. Try to have some restraint, maybe? Yeah, of course. Because, like, once you throw up Coast City on there, it's like, boom, it exists, it's there, now you have to make a story about Coast City, or you have to call on it in another story or another line Mm. of dialogue or something. I don't know. Maybe. Right? But then again, huh, maybe that doesn't work, because, like, Blaze Comics was a thing in Man of Steel, and... There was a bunch of things in Man of Steel that was just kind of put in there. Yeah. I mean, they put the Wayne Industries in there. They didn't. They didn't know if they were going to actually do that. No. Yeah. I don't know, man. Um, some of the things that we see in this uh, little frame here is we, on the right TV. We see the game from last night, the Metropolis State versus the GCU, and then something about tech news on the left screen. I'm not sure if they're talking about Wayne Tech or anything like that, but it's talking about new technology that's being introduced this year in the year 2015. Um, it definitely looks like there's like an E before tech. Yeah, and I thought there was like an N before the E, so I, I was like, is that Wayne Tech news? It's a Wayne Tech white pickup truck you got there on the highway. Yeah, so. mm. I think it, I think it's just a truck that just was on the highway. 
It's not a Wayne Tech truck. No, I don't think so. <laughs> it would be black. You gotta remember Man. that. Yeah, you're right. Um, but then on the shelf, there's some very interesting things. Not really. Um, there's a book about grammar for the workplace. So make sure you always have one of those. <laughs> yep. I know I need it when we, I talk about double negatives. You need it right now. <laughs> um, there's one that's a collected volume, volume 22, about Metrop- or Daily Planet articles that's been published and like kept in a volume so people can go back and read old newspapers. Sure. If you're into that. Um, and then there's one about harassment in the workplace. Ah, so Steve Lombard. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then something that I thought was really interesting is there's a box on this shelf that says uh, local news dash sports. Uh, and the dates are May 16th of the year 2000 to May 21st of the year 2000. Um, what happened? Which, I don't know. I think someone left it there and no one has touched it in 15 years. Which <laughs> what happened is, in sports in in May of two thousand? Does it matter? Kinda, because what if it was like, I, mm. I, I don't know. The uh, I was gonna start naming off football teams and saying they won the Super Bowl. But that's a bad idea. Yeah, because <laughs> no, May. like that's kind of a down month. Yeah, like college basketball is already done. NBA is not quite in the playoffs yet. NHL, no, it's already gone. Yeah, no, and NHL and NF, uh, NBA and NHL are already done at this point. Well, like, May? Uh, no, May, I think you'd be, like, in the start of the playoffs, but it wouldn't be, like, the finals because the finals of the NBA is usually, like, in June, early June yeah. it ends. Hockey? So maybe it is playoffs. Anyways, yeah. but it's, local <laughs> it's local sports news. It's oh, not... local. So it would be, oh, okay, some Metropolis team won. It could be, like, high school state championships of basketball. Unless it's, like, the local, unless it is Metropolis team that was in the playoffs for the NHL or NBA. Mm. And that that would be technically local, but at the same time, I you know it's not strange for me to think that someone put that box there and no one has touched and it left since. It. Yeah, because that happens in the office, so <laughs> things just collect dust. All right. So, but yeah, that's something I found extremely interesting for no reason at all. Perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically to wrap this up, Wallace uh, is shown being arrested. Um, and put into the car or not yet no he's no they picked him up by his uh absent legs <laughs> did didn't they? <laughs> um, but that's it um yeah did you guys have any other closing notes for this one uh, i did not sam just really quickly um i mean i think it's a good way to bring us into the daily planet because uh we get a little reminder of lois lane's b plot with the bullet we get um, Perry assigning Clark to something which is going to like tell us the next scene that we're going to see and then it's connected to an actual news event that is happening like news is happening in Heroes Park and so that's why we're in the Daily Planet now and then they can see it so for me it works well like as a quick visit into the Daily Planet but it has good momentum like in both directions so oh and then uh, one thing I noticed also looking around the room is that Liz Rittenauer is like listed on one of the cubicles and she is apparently a photo editor for the Daily Planet, but the the name Liz Rittenauer is an actual person who worked in the art department for the movie. So um, she was like mm-hmm. an art art uh, set decorator in the art department. So I think she probably just put her own name on it. <laughs> she gets a little name placard. That's cool. I I want one of those. I don't have one. <laughs> I don't even have one in my office. Who do I ask for that? I don't have a name in my. You don't have a. Oh well, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I'm recognized. Yeah. <laughs> um, another interesting note about this place is uh, 
the layout for this daily planet has changed a bit since the Black Zero event. So, um, what do you? I, is it more cubicle? They they redid the layout a bit so that it made sense for um, a massive attack no, from for, gods flying no. through the windows <laughs> for the characters when they have conversations with each other that they they kind of line things up like okay Lois Des like where I work kind of yeah where Lois Des is going to be near um, Clark Kent and then Jenny Jones is going to be working down there and then the Perry's office over there so it's not the same exact setup as Man of Steel and uh, the windows are a little bit different, but not too much different. So it makes you feel like you're still in the same building. Oh, but yeah, because jets flew through them and yeah, blew but them up. Yeah, but they make you, they, I think, what is it, that Zach, like, joked that maybe that they just moved up a floor or something to kind of deal with the aftermath of the Black Could Zero be. event. I don't know. So. Is, that, is that that Liz lady sitting down at that chair? That Liz lady. Oh, I'm not sure about that. I just noticed the name, like, that was written. But. Hmm. It is her now. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. You called it. Um, but yeah, that's all I had for this one. Yes. Cool. Sounds good. All righty. We'll go ahead and wrap up for today. If you enjoyed everything you heard, you can find us on all social media at DCEU Minute. And you can find us and all our other shows at toolmedia.com. And you can join us on the Facebook group along with our guests and other listeners to talk about the minutes at hand or Man of Steel or the films that are happening or have happened after this film. Or haven't happened. Or haven't happened. <laughs> like future football. Like future sports. Pew-pew. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and you can and that is the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society. It's a Facebook group. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you on there, and then we'll catch you tomorrow here on DC Cinematic Minute.